Welcome to another edition of Park Talk Podcast, the official podcast of the Naperville Park District. Hi everyone, I'm Sue Omenson. In today's episode, we'll discuss the ancient practice of yoga and how it's practiced today and how it can benefit your health. I'm happy to welcome back to the studio Dr. Allison Mitch, who is a certified yoga instructor and a physical therapist. Allison discussed nature therapy on our podcast last year, and today we'll hear about some of the science behind yoga and how it can be therapeutic for everyone and adapted to different types of health challenges and disabilities. Allison, it's so great to have you back. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Sue. It's great to be back. Uh, Well, let's start with some basics. How would you explain what yoga is? So yoga um, means union or to yoke is the actual word like to yoke to an oxen so you can think of union so union of mind body and spirit and it's estimated to be thousands of years old but we don't really know for sure Um, and it's based on an eight-limbed path so basically there are different practices that encompass yoga or that yoga encompasses I should say so that's asana or posture which a lot of us here in the west are familiar with the postures right pranayama or breath work, meditation, and then there are other components too, like ethical practices as well. Oh, I, so I when, when you incorporate some of those elements, this can be um, a spiritual discipline or a spiritual practice for people too, but it doesn't have to be. Okay. So yoga, the intent is union of body, mind, and spirit, and ultimately to relieve suffering is the intention, the greater intention of yoga. And I think that that's why people practice it today is for that healing, for that definitely. Um, for that alleviation um, in their lives. So So how how has it kind of been modified in in the United States, for example? Well, historically, um, yoga was not about the posture work. So we're so familiar with that in the Mm -hmm. West, but um, there's a historic text called the Hatha Yoga Pratapika, and in it, it describes maybe 15 to 16 yoga poses, and this is from around 1400 CE, so several hundred years old. But um, And they were really odd postures, things that people probably wouldn't want to practice in the West. So um, the more modern yoga that we're familiar with that's practiced in the studio with some of those flexible-type poses that developed more recently, like in the late 1800s, early 1900s, as a combination of gymnastics, martial arts, and bodybuilding. Um, and that kind of co- uh, coincided with the Western interest in India. So it was um, based off of this Western influence on those okay. practices. Oh, interesting. So, so you mentioned that people today really go to yoga for, um, for healing. And so what are some of the health benefits of yoga? Oh, there are so many. Thanks for asking. (laughs) That's my favorite part. Um, So I guess I'm going to backpedal a little bit and say that, you know, most people when they approach yoga, they think of it as being a flexibility practice or a stretching practice. And as a yoga instructor, I hear that all the time. And it's so much more than that. So, you know, your basic athlete might approach yoga to counterbalance or to balance out their strength training work with some flexibility. Mm -hmm. And that's amazing. Of course, you get that flexibility benefit, but there are so many other benefits benefits for the general healthy population Mm -hmm. from stress reduction, uh, um, relief from anxiety and depression, joint lubrication and joint health, posture, improve lung capacity from some of the breath work, um, improve venous flow and lymphatic flow from some of the changes in posture, right? So um, in 
inversions are what we call them in yoga. So having, doing legs up the wall, things like that. Um, Uh, It's really neat to know that there's so much more behind um, some of the obvious benefits that you experience, but you might not um, be able to quite uh, put your finger on it, but you know that you feel better. Yeah, and and I want to um, mention uh, a theory that has come up in the research recently as related to yoga. So it's called the polyvagal theory, and it actually originated from the 1990s. I think 1994 with Stephen Porges. In case any of the listeners want to go back and oh, look sure. up his works, he has um, some soft literature that's public friendly too that they can find at the library or on Amazon. Okay. Um, but the polyvagal theory is just basically a way of looking at how environment environment, body, and mind all interact. So the vagus nerve is the largest cranial nerve, and it innervates and senses things like heart and gut. And so that's how it's able to get information from the environment. And so it detects things in the body like safety or danger. And so when you are uh, practicing yoga and slowing that breath rate, slowing that heart rate, that allows for um, better mind states that account for things like pro-social behavior. So you feel more interconnected to your neighbors and more willing to be kind to your neighbors. Mm-hmm. You also have a different way of viewing yourself. And so the vagus nerve um, really participates in what's called interoception or sensing what's going on in the body. So slowing down and feeling how you actually feel. I mean, how many of us do that in a regular, in not, a regular? Not very many. Yeah. Sure. And so um, that's kind of what yoga encourages. And polyvagal theory is a way of explaining how that works scientifically and things that, you know, for thousands of years, people have been practicing this discipline for these health benefits as well as as a spiritual practice. But now we have a scientific way of actually explaining that and validating that. Like, yes, you feel better because you're modulating breath, you're modulating heart rate, you're allowing for sense of interconnection and social well-being, even as an individual practice. It's really, it's really quite beautiful. So Allison, would you also explain more about how yoga can help individuals with particular health challenges or special needs? Sure. Um, So yoga, the research that examines how yoga works has looked at populations through several different lenses. So you can look at yoga and healthy populations, which we kind of talked about, or you can look at um, yoga for people with XYZ. So um, whether that's multiple sclerosis or Parkinson's disease, or um, some of the research looks at symptom-specific needs. So yoga for fatigue, for example. Um, If your listeners are interested, there is a website, a database called PubMed, and we'll include those in the resources. But if you have a particular health concern, you can go into PubMed and search yoga and your diagnosis or symptom and see if there's any research that looks at the use of yoga for whatever is ailing you or bothering you. But it's just phenomenal, the research out there. So um, when I checked for you, Sue, the other day, there were over 5,000 research articles on yoga. Wow. Um, so it's amazing. And so you can pull up research for yoga for 
for people with MS, yoga for menopause or premenstrual syndromes, yoga for smoking cessation, yoga for people with eating disorders, yoga for Parkinson's disease, yoga for osteoarthritis. I mean, you name it, there's probably been a study. Um, yoga for stroke, yoga for people with brain injury or people with cancer. And so I used to teach adaptive yoga at the Shepherd Center in Atlanta, Georgia, and mm -hmm. I loved that. And that was a center that specialized in working with people with brain and spinal cord injury, as well as people with multiple sclerosis. So we were able to adapt yoga for people that were in wheelchairs and oh, were primary great. wheelchair users. As long as you can breathe, you can do yoga. And um, right now I'm working with Next Steps of Chicago, and I offer an adaptive yoga class for them once a month, working with a similar population. And I love it. Um, and I'm so honored to be able to do that work. But yes, there's there are um, massive amounts of research available in terms of people with special physical disabilities or special needs. And these populations tend to use um, complementary and integrative health techniques and modalities at a higher rate than the general population. And so complementary and integrative health, these are things like Tai Chi, um, yoga, acupuncture, aromatherapy, chiropractic care, Reiki. So some of these alternative medicines, right? right? And so um, there's actually a research center, uh, I'll include it in the resources as well, through the National Institute Institutes of Health that look specifically at these complementary and integrative health modalities. Um, and so there's information on their website for the general population, which we already talked about, as well as for those with physical injury or disability. Um, but I want to get back to that those populations tend to utilize these um, complementary modalities at a higher rate than the general population. And that's because they're empowering. So you're giving right. people tools for self-care that they can implement at home home for perceived benefits and whether that's some of the physical benefits that we talked about earlier, whether that's mm -hmm. flexibility or the mental or social benefits. And so it's, um, this is an incredible tool for self-empowerment as well, especially for people that may have some pretty significant health concerns. Well, it's great to know that yoga can benefit so many people with special needs in general. And um, it also can be enhanced, I think, if you can, by practicing outside. So, um, for example, this year we had several classes at the beach um, offering yoga outdoors, and we also hosted a couple of free community yoga practices in the park, actually by the uh, Millennium Carillon at, the, at Rotary Hill. So I wondered what are some of the added benefits of practicing yoga outdoors if you can? Yeah, and I love that you guys have that offering. And in fact, I'll speak to that because I participated in one of great, the classes and great. loved it. But um, so I researched this for you and I could not find any specific research articles looking at yoga plus nature, yoga and outside right. and those okay. added benefits. But there are some soft literature resources that I include for your listeners um, in the resources great, so you. they can look at those. But in general, I think it would be safe to assume that if you are participating in yoga and it's outside, you're going to garner some of those benefits of being outdoors. And so we talked about that in our previous podcast and mm -hmm. those benefits of nature therapy. So that's things like reduced anxiety, reduced cortisol, which is related to, tr to stress, mm -hmm. reduced heart rate, um, increased feelings of well-being, um, 
even things like morbidity, which is disease rate and mortality, the disease and death rates change by your participation in or nearness to green space. I mean, it's just, it's amazing what nature can do for people. And so I think it would be safe to assume that doing yoga outside, yes, you're going to have added benefits. And if anything, there might just be a qualitative difference. It will feel different to you. And and um, that's where I wanted to highlight Sarah's classes because I participated in some of her outdoor yoga classes last year and then again this year that you all are offering through the Naperville Parks District. And, and, and that's and that's just to clarify that's the paddleboard yoga? Yeah, paddleboard yoga. And yeah. so there's a qualitative difference to doing yoga outside and um, it was it was lovely. You could hear the birds flying over. You can mm-hmm. watch the clouds. I mean, it just you slow down with an extra level of you know, just there's an extra relief and release to being outside and just pausing for a moment and being in that in that natural space, as opposed to maybe a dark studio or looking at concrete walls, you know, and she's, and I know that you all will be talking to her for a future podcast and she's just lovely. And I'm, um, I was so happy to be able to attend her class and thankful that you guys offer that. So that's great to hear. It it really does sound like being outside magnifies all the natural benefits of yoga, right? I believe so. Yes. Multiplies it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's where science can get difficult. So there might not be research to support something but um, you go and try something and you feel it in your body you feel that mm-hmm. difference so I would even just recommend that the listener try it um, if you've done yoga in the studio try to find an outside class a yoga class like through your park district and and see how it feels to you and trust that judgment just because there isn't a scientific article to support it doesn't mean there aren't added benefits so well thanks Allison for giving us more insight into the healing power of yoga for everyday restoration and for a deeper benefit for those suffering with an injury or a disorder Um, I encourage everyone to check our website it's going to be posted with uh, helpful references from this podcast and you'll be able to uh to follow those links that Allison suggested and, and learn even more on your own. Thank you for listening. Additional information on Naperville Park District programs and services can be found at naprovilleparks.org. The Naperville Park District's mission is to provide recreation and park experiences that promote healthy lives, healthy minds, and a healthy community. Park Talk Podcast is a production of the Naperville Park District.